Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined this week by Becky and returning to the show as a guest host. It's Coach Connell. Connell McNeilis is here for Dave this week, who is somewhere on the Mediterranean Sea sipping a Peroni and struggling with his Wi-Fi because he hasn't been able to watch any of these uh, most recent Ranger games. But hopefully he's found a way to listen to this podcast uh, because we have indeed, uh, we are indeed preparing for the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time in five years. The Rangers have not only made it into the playoffs, but they've won a round, completing a thrilling 3-1 to comeback over the Pittsburgh Penguins and obviously defeating them in Game 7 on Sunday night in overtime by the score of 4-3. to And right before we started recording, Connell, you said uh, you don't even want this series, the, the Carolina series, to start. You're still riding the high. So welcome to the show and, and glad that you could be bringing some uh, good vibes to, to start. I mean, how can you not feel good vibes? We had some good weather today, finally, um, you know, and uh, that's like the, the thrill of, of one going from one series to the next. I've, I've enjoyed the extra uh, two days here just to kind of uh, soak it all in. I feel like we all needed a little bit of time to recover anyway. Yeah, Becky, what? Uh, how are you feeling after Sunday night? Has the has the high worn off at all, or are you still um, in la la land after the euphoria of an overtime winner? I don't even think it's the euphoria of the overtime winner. I think it's more just watching all of the salty Penguins fans still be incredibly salty like forty eight hours later. I'm actually really reveling in that. It's been pretty incredible, and I think we will touch on that a little bit. Although. I've sort of made a conscious effort not to read any of that stuff. I feel like a lot of people kind of go search on Twitter, you know, to the Penguins beat writers and, you know, then Pittsburgh fans will jump into your mentions if you if you throw a, a take out there or something like that. But, um, yeah, certainly uh, it's been an amazing, you know, 48, 72 hours, whatever it's been now for the Rangers, for their fans, for really everybody that's involved with the organization and even the sport of hockey. I mean, we learned today that this was the most watched first round playoff game on cable ever um, on uh, ESPN. No, sorry, it was TNT that carried uh, carried the game seven. So more people are tuning in, which is great for the sport. Obviously, the entire city of New York is now wrapped up in this, which, you know, we're all huge fans, right? We all watch as much as we possibly can of an 82 game season. We watch when the team is not in the playoffs. But I don't know where you guys fall on this. I'm always really into it when the bandwagon starts to grow. I think it's cool seeing new fans. I think it's cool seeing um, celebrities at the games. Like when the Mets showed up and the Giants and the Jets showed up. I I think all that stuff is great. Um, I I know hockey fans can be very, uh, very much gatekeepers of the sport at times, but I'm not like that. I get the sense neither of you are. But how do you feel, you know, knowing that there is definitely a Rangers bandwagon right now? Yeah, it's 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 awesome. I mean, I think like uh, we we all got to be uh, you know uh, influencers of the game and, and try to get more fans and, and and ambassadors of the game. I guess that, that was the word I was looking for there. Didn't come to mind, but uh, yeah, I think it's awesome and it just adds a different uh, you know kind of feel to it as is you know as the weather gets warmer and everybody's kind of flipping channels like you said and there's becoming less and less things to watch and and I'm all here for it. I mean, I we think we all agree that that hockey playoffs are probably the most exciting, uh, you know, sport event uh, of, 
of, of them all. And, and for me, you know, I'm always happy to, to, to welcome people to open arms. Doesn't mean I'm going to, uh, you know, invite them over to watch with my, with me and my intense psycho <laughs> self, but, um, I'm all about the, uh, the Twitter engagement and people finding it. You know, there was that, uh, well, that Tony X guy or whatever it was a couple of years ago with the, with the blues and he's kind of become a, a yeah. bit of a celebrity himself. So I'm all here for, for anybody, uh, jumping in with, water's warm and then come on in let's go i agree i think it's just so much more fun when you're doing well like i remember the deeper runs like 14 and 15 just living in the city at that time too and seeing how crazy the city like everyone was watching the games in the bars like not even just around madison square garden i lived on the upper east side and the the games were always on and people were always really invested i remember after the Rangers won in 14 to go to the Stanley Cup finals and they beat Montreal like a scene. It was just a scene. Like people were chanting outside, like, let's go Rangers. It was incredible. That's what you want. Um, I always like I'm obviously a rabid Met fan. And when even when the Yankees played the Phillies in 09, like I'll, I and I do not like the Yankees, but I still like loved going out just because it's fun to have everyone kind of like rooting for something good for the city and I don't I, I don't know I'm not a gatekeeper I don't care you want to pop on the bandwagon hop on like just like Connell said water's warm come on in yeah and, and I think this is a Ranger team that even though casual fans you know they may not be seeking out uh, who knows you know whatever the post-game interviews or some of the stuff that that we see that that makes us so familiar with the the individual personalities but this is an easy team to root for, and it's an easy storyline to follow, right? Everybody loves either an underdog or a scrappy team that, that comes from behind. And the Rangers did that in quite historic fashion over the Penguins. So not only do they erase the 3-1 series deficit, they do it by coming from behind in each of the three games. So in Game 5, they were down two goals. In Game 6, they were down two goals. In Game 7, they were down a goal twice, 2-1 and 3-2. And they get it done. And it is it was a remarkable thing to watch. Um, and, and uh, you know, uh, so just switching gears to the hockey part of it, Connell, I want to get your thoughts. Um, just to start with a very simple question. What do you think turned the series around? I think there's a few moments. There's a few players. There's a few things you could choose from here. So I want to hear your thoughts. And then, Becky, of course, yours. But what do you think turned the series around for the Rangers? Anyone really could have expected this, you know, to happen i think we weren't feeling too good after game four uh, like it certainly felt we were pretty down in the dumps and and especially just kind of igor getting pulled twice i mean look as far as a moment obviously the the, the, the crosby incident is gonna is gonna let the, kind of really impact things and i think change things up um but i think igor finally kind of got into his game there and like you know the kids for lack of a better term kind of treaded some water there and 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 kind of kept things moving for them and and for but for me the biggest biggest impact it truly might have been ryan lingren um i mean you could just see how that bench reacted um how fox reacted clearly he feels safe when he's on the ice with lingren as far as what he could do and how expansive his game could be i think that was you know a huge huge factor on that blue line because we saw without lingering uh kind of what a mess it was with with nemeth and braun getting even more ice time uh you can kind of see 
how they just couldn't keep up to that level. It just wasn't going to happen. Uh, and, and when Lindgren came back in, and, and Becky, I know, will chime in on, on our man crush, uh, Tyler uh, Mott as well, I think that added something to it too. And, and just those 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 workhorses, and we keep saying it over and over again, and it's so cliche, but like those are the type of players you do need to round out your roster in order to win. We just saw, we just saw the Leafs somehow not win again and those are guys those are guys who are not on that roster plain and simple so i think yeah. there's those little moments in game five but to me ryan lingren that, that he he's probably my series mvp as far as i'm concerned yeah i mean rob felt the same way like rob no one ever asks you how you're feeling how are you feeling how would you answer this question well, well what i'll say is this and i do want to you know hear your thoughts Becky and and you know obviously I know Tyler Mott is a is a huge part of it as well but I thought what Ryan Lindgren did in Game Five was and I said this on the Twitter space after Game Five which was which was a lot of fun um, I thought that was the single best game I'd seen a Ranger defenseman play in years and, and you know now I'm you know I'm sure I'm omitting I mean I know Ryan McDonough had some absolute like blindingly great performances during those runs in in particularly in 2014 when he came back it's actually a very similar storyline if you think about it you know we all remember Marty St. Louis losing his mother and that that's the you know that being a galvanizing force for that team but Ryan McDonough was also hurt I think for the first three or four games of that series he came back and it made a huge huge difference uh scored a couple of goals late in that series and then was just a complete and dominant force over the Canadians, which was, of course, sweet poetry because they were the team that traded him to the Rangers. So uh, Lindgren had a very similar impact. And he's obviously not, you know, the same caliber defenseman as, uh, as McDonough. But I also think he's underrated. I, I think he's a tremendous hockey player. He does. He's a great skater. He's got better puck skills than people realize. You know, clearly he's not just a brawn or a Nemeth type, type, which is like a sit at home, block shots, like chip it out guy. Um, he's not as big as either guy, but he's much more of a physical player than both of them. Um, so he, he just impressed the hell out of me. And, and it was noticeable. You know, uh, look, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, a huge fan, but I'm not always, you know, watching with the most sophisticated eyes. You know, I'm, uh, so, you know, you notice the Zabanajads, the Criders, the Panarins, the guys who put up points. But for some reason, Lindgren was so good. I know he got an empty net goal that it really stood out to me in that game. So um, I agree. With you, Connell, I think he's the series MVP. And um, yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, they're going to need him. And hopefully he's just a little bit more healthy because you could tell every time he, le- he left the ice that he was in pain. He was apparently hobbling around the arena uh, during games three and four. I know a, a couple of the beat writers saw him in the press box, basically not able to put weight on whichever foot or leg was bothering him. So um, just a complete and utterly insane and warrior-like performance from Lindgren. Um, so Becky, what's yours? What turned the series around for you? I mean, it's the same. It's lingering. And, and it's what really pissed me off was that, and I guess every team does this or whatever, like the penguins are running at him. But if you even like touch a penguin, God forbid, you know, like you're going to hear bitching and complaining and you're going to see Crosby crying to the refs and it's probably going to be a fucking 12 minute penalty. And it's just irritating. Um, Mott, yeah, man crush Mott, um, definitely turned it around too, just because you're, first of all, he's faster than I realized, right? But also we haven't seen him play in a while. Great skater. Yeah, incredible. And he just is, he's not a liability. Like you don't realize, you're like, oh, the fourth line, whatever. But then when he's out there and he's actually playing 
well. You're like, well, actually, if we can roll, I don't want to say roll four lines, but like it kind of gets you to a more competent place, right, than you had been. Um, So I think that was really important. And I am praying to God that we see Barclay Goodrow in this coming series because like Mott Rooney and Hunt would be, or I'm sorry, Mott Rooney and and Goodrow would be incredible. I'm saying Hunt just because he's there. But um, I I know that that's not necessarily a definite at this point. They said he could be in later in the series and Carolina's going to be hard opponent. So, you know, we shall see. But um, it just gets you closer to being able being able to roll four. Yeah, well, losing Goodrow was just was really, I think, an underreported part of this series for the Rangers. I mean, there was, you know, look, they did not play well defensively. And, and actually, Connell, I wanted to get your take on this as well, given, you know, again, your kind of coaching background. You know, the sense I got, and I don't I don't know if this is, is true or not, and certainly I'm not studying film, but what was so striking about the series was, you know, the Rangers handled Pittsburgh well during the regular season. Even the game they lost was a pretty even game. Then they dominated them three times in a row, not just on the scoreboard, but in terms of shots and scoring chances. And that was with their full lineup. So again, these Penguins fans can stop with the, oh, well, you're playing against a bunch of backups, whatever garbage they were spewing during the playoffs. The Rangers handled their full lineup, no problem during the regular season. Now I know Crosby went God mode. Um, and, and other players raised their game. I mean, Jeff Carter was a pretty good player in this series. I've always liked him as, as annoying as he can be, and I know he's a former L.A. King. Um, you know, there were a lot of – Evan Rodriguez played out of his mind in this series, but the sense I got, Connell, was that Pittsburgh changed the way they played, and it, it confused the Rangers, and they never really adjusted. Um, do you think that was the case? And if so, what did they do? If not, why did the Rangers stop – playing defense or forget how to play defense in this series because they gave up a shit ton of scoring chances. And if they do that against Carolina, it really will be a short series because they're not going to be able to get back in it against a better team, frankly, than Pittsburgh was. I mean, that would be the biggest gripe there. I mean, in the, in the D zone, it was, it was a disaster. I mean, and the, uh, you know, in, you know, the penguin zones on the Rangers D zone, right? Like there, I didn't see the penguins doing much else different, right? They play with five. They're pretty mobile. Sullivan is a, uh, you know, a smart-ass coach, he really is. And I have a lot of respect for Mike Sullivan and, and you know, clearly made adjustments. To me, he was in the neutral zone. I mean, there was that clip that went, whatever, I don't know, viral. It was being tweeted out about a couple of the Penguins' goals. And, and me and Sue kind of talked about how the Rangers' lack of neutral zone forecheck um, uh, was giving the, the Penguins a ton of speed. And they were able to switch the ice pretty quickly uh, with one, two passes, um, you know, beating all those rangers it's either got to be uber aggressive or you got to be patient and the rangers seem to kind of get caught in between so as much as the penguins made some adjustments they absolutely did um like i said with just puck support in the neutral zone was my biggest kind of uh, acknowledgement of that i thought the rangers were just truly pretty bad for a couple games i mean they were they were embarrassed truly in game four embarrassingly bad uh one of the worst games they've ever played mm-hmm. so you know and, and it goes back to like these little details not having lingren not having mott not having goudreau you're now relying on like we talked about you know as a to be more probably responsible than he really has should be because uh, he's not that guy um, and you need to let him be a loose and you saw when that kind of came back into the fray a little bit when we get those guys back in the lineup he started to 
loosen up and, and obviously create a lot of opportunities at five on five as well as on the power play. So, you know, for me, it was it was slight little tweaks, like little nitpicky stuff. Like I thought the Penguins were going a little bit more with, you know, cross seam passes in the neutral zone, which seemed to crash the Rangers off guard, like, you know, switching the field, Rob, like, you know, in a soccer game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which right. I, I didn't see as much. And that's kudos to Sullivan. But the Rangers also to me that's not too hard of an adjustment you got to be a little bit more compact in your one two two neutral zone four check and the rangers just at times seem lost with that so little details but you know obviously you know they certainly straighten things out later in the series yeah and i think you know some of the i saw something today that you know if you looked at the natural stat trick uh numbers from the series the high danger chances were like 116 to 56 for pittsburgh which is insane i mean that's like a 75% to 25% or whatever it is difference. If I'm doing the math, you know, kind of roughly in my head right there. Um, I don't necessarily, I think a lot of that came in games three and four, honestly. Like you said, game four was kind of a historically bad performance. I think there were ebbs and flows to the series. And when the Rangers had their their flows, I thought they were really good. Um, I think the issue for me was, and it was more of an experience thing, they seemed to... A, not handle prosperity well because they would, you know, they would they would score a flurry of goals and then give one up almost immediately. That happened like, what, three or four separate times in the series. Um, and then when the Penguins really had their push, when they were when they faced a desperate moment, they were usually able to generate basically unfettered offense for, you know, shift after shift after shift for minutes at a time, if not a whole period. So um, I think the Rangers hopefully learn from that experience and are, are, are starting to understand what it takes to push back or at least limit the other team's push. Because, look, it's the playoffs. Like, your opponent's going to have the moments where they just have the puck and they have all the offense. And that's why you have your goalie. And I think the other thing that we really haven't talked about here is Igor. And now, Becky, I I want you to go ahead and you should out me right now because through about two and a half, three games in the series, I was being pretty hard on on Igor Shosturkin. And then I just kind of shut up and he eventually turned it around. But, um, you know... You you kept the faith the whole time, and yeah, you were, were kind of really like, I don't want to hear it about the goalie. Uh, you were really <laughs> irritating me, actually. I was like, get in the other fucking room if we're going to keep up this this chatter. Because if there's one person I don't want to hear a fucking word about, it's Igor Shosturkin. Like, I'm not ashamed that I'm a huge Mika Zibanejad fan, and I was getting annoyed with him during the first four games of this series. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Anybody is untouchable except for Igor Shesterkin. I do not want to hear a fucking word. The guy is the reason that we're in the playoffs. And like, I know we were talking about this all throughout this, all throughout the season on the podcast that like the Rangers are not playing great hockey. They're not playing great hockey, but they're getting wins. And every win counts and every point counts. And at the end of the year, when you're in the playoffs, like, you're going to be grateful that you clinched and you can rest your guys and whatever. The reason they made the playoffs is Igor Shesterkin. So do you want him to be like average do you, or even, I guess, below? I don't even know. In the playoffs? Obviously not. But like, do you think that that's going to be a real long-term issue for him? Hell no. Like, stop it. Give the man a lot of leash. I don't want to hear it. And yeah, I got really fucking annoyed, but you listened. So, you know, thank you for adapting <laughs> in play. Well, fa- and, well, fair enough. And also, I mean, again, you were right because 
I think what happened was if you if you now stepping back with a couple of days of hindsight, he was tired from the first two games. He was asked to make a hundred some odd saves between the triple overtime game and then the Rangers, even though they won game two, they gave up forty something shots, forty five shots. Um, and he was, I think, he was a little bit fatigued going into game three, and then they really left him out to dry in game four. So, um, and then he got yeah, kind Galant, of slowly the way, started Galant, coming back into form. Galant did a great job by pulling him. Like, yeah, I, I think that that's that was a move that I don't know that every coach makes. And it sounds like Gallant also said to him, um, like, I believe in you. You're being hung out like I'm taking you out. You're going to start the next game. It sounds like that because he said in, in whatever media availability that he had after the beats bitched about it forever, um, like coach believes in me. And that's like. That, that's all that matters, basically. So, he's... Yeah, Connell, like, you were saying during both those games, he should be pulled. So, you were on the same page as Gallant there. Yeah, I mean, it's and like I said, it's just, you got to protect your goalie. You kind of got to give an F you to the rest of the team. Um, like And, and look, and he, he played two games in the first... Uh, Tampa Bay just scored again, by the way. These fucking guys are never going to go away. Wait, um, what's the score? It's 3-1 it's three uh, Tampa with like four... They're, they're murder. Yeah, oh, there's a goalie interference challenge. We'll see. A uh, little little live podcast, and that's not going to be live. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I was on the same page, and like, just get him out of it. He wasn't good. Um, he knew that. He's a pro. He's you know, and I talked about this with with Jake on the Every Range of Gold podcast. You know, some sometimes you know he's he hasn't faced a ton of adversity in his, his pro hockey career. You know what I mean? So you know, finally, there's a lot of pressure. He goes, you know, he's he's been successful at every level in Russia. He was dominant in the AHL. He's been dominant in the NHL. This is like the first like legit legit adversity he faced. And I think Gallant protected his goalie and protected one of his stars. And I, I couldn't give more credit to Gallant for that. Um, and obviously, we were a little critical of some tactical stuff and maybe a lineup change here in once in a while. But I was saying that for both games. There was no point to have him in there. You know, game three. Um, he, you know, he wasn't, uh, wasn't great, you know, kind of change up the momentum. Uh, and look, it got him a break. It got him a break and he clearly needed, like you said, he played basically two games in the first game and then he played another game. So, um, if that reset the juices, then I think it's a, a quietly very underrated part of this comeback. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think, look, they needed every bit of him, uh, him at his best in game seven. So, Let's just quickly uh, talk about the vibes, Game 7. So, Connell, what was your – I mean, where were you mentally, emotionally, physically? You, were, you weren't at the game, I know, but w- w- just give us your Game 7 kind of, uh, you know, recap from your point of view. You know, I, you know, I was, you know, much more uh, – less, much less optimistic for Games 5 and 6, but Game 7 I was quietly, like – okay like going into it um i i give my my girlfriend some credit we went to just kind of like a local uh, point point pleasant they had like a local barbecue kind of beer fest went to a local brewery kind of kept my mind busy throughout the day saw a lot of ranger gear it was awesome there's a lot of let's go ranger chants going on which is awesome to see and and kept myself busy and 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 uh you know already had a couple of adult beverages there so I, I didn't really feel like driving over to to my parents place to, to go watch maybe with my brother so i largely watched it by myself which i do a lot I go to games by myself. I, I just kind of like to be alone with my thoughts and and, <laughs> and sip sip on a cocktail and, and just not have to answer any questions or talk. So I, I don't mind it. And 
And look, I mean, going with that first goal, um, you know, you felt good. Um, you know, the and then you know the the tying goal, obviously, you know, you thought maybe maybe we kept it out. You know, uh, the, the only time really, I, you know, the first doubt I really had all day was was when that high stick happens, and and I. Yeah, uh, I, that was the first time I was like, "Mother effort!" Like, uh, you know, this is—it's gonna go against us again, and this is how we're gonna co- get costed here. And yeah, and and it was tough. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know how it was called the goal on the ice because if I'm a referee and I saw just knowing how physics work, he came down to hit the puck, and the puck went down after that. So yeah. I don't even know, you know. And then I guess it stood, but. And then to get the bounce back, but you know, all third period, you know, we're, we're down again and a bad break and. You know, I was looking at the clock and I'm looking at the clock and, you know, I wanted to believe that they could do it again. But I'm like, man, it just doesn't seem like there's much time left. And I feel like the Mika goal kind of came out of nowhere. Like I kind of just, yeah. went, it just happens. Yeah. And I, I, I jumped and I hit my head on the, uh, on the, on the fan in the, in the, in the living room, like this, like <laughs> the string. Um, and I was all pumped. And, and then obviously, uh, you know, uh, I woke Casey up at that point and, um, and she came down to watch overtime and, uh, you know, Prenair and Magic. Although, another talk about another call, that was a penalty shot for the fucking record, like, on Miller. Yep. That Like, they called the, the Goudreau in the Flames Star Series got a penalty shot for a much less. That was some complete, oh, shit, it's game seven overtime. I can't call a penalty shot. That's exactly yeah. what that was. Tampa would have scored again, 4-1. But honestly, I wow. felt, wow, I felt pretty good about it being a penalty and not a penalty shot just because, like, I love Key, right? But, yeah, I don't know that he's going to score there. And I love Key. I mean, like, I love him. That's not a slight on him. He's just a fucking defenseman. Like, you see the shootout all the time. People can't score on the shootout. Like, it's whatever. Sure. But, look, it ended ended with elation, and I just was, you know, you know I was relieved and, and happy, and I just – I feel like I've been like just like quietly like you're kind of sitting to yourself and all of a sudden I just like kind of fist pump once in a while you know what I mean it's just so, like it's been <laughs> like I just think about it again and I get happy again and uh, yeah it's awesome it was uh, it was a crazy day and like you said that's you know the best part about being a sports fan is I will remember little details about that day for forever. So Becky, I don't know if you want to share any uh, moments. So we were obviously just you and I watching here at. At our new home, which we moved into, uh, which we don't last have to burn week. down, we're, which is great. We're two and zero. Yep, the Rangers are two and zero since we moved here, so that's good. Obviously, I, I don't think they're going to maintain a perfect record, although you do never know with these things. Um, but no, I mean, I don't know if you want to share any fun little anecdotes from our night together. Um, well, I want to say just before we get into that, that Connell, I was with you. I was starting to doubt, and since Rob outed himself as talking shit about Shusty, I can out myself also for saying I lost the faith um, when it was three to two and we were in the third period and I was just like, shit, man. And then you realize that we actually do have some offensive real firepower on our team that could score a goal. Like Mika's shot was so beautiful. Oh, that was a rifle. Just, just a rifle. Unbelievable. Yeah. Shots, man. And like for him to like wake up too after game, after four shit games, I mean, that was pretty, pretty fun. But or I guess five shit games from I don't know. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, what did we do? I broke the ottoman of our couch jumping from the first goal, so that was fun. That was the first goal too. Yeah. yeah. And then when um, oh yeah, and shout out to our beautiful daughter Emily um, for going to sleep like an angel and not giving us too much of a hard time. 
And yeah, um, when they scored, when Panarin scored, we screamed so loud. And that is when I truly was grateful that we live in a larger space because the baby stayed asleep. So we are, we're all, I mean, like, like I have to pace during a game. Like I am walking up and down the stairs. I'm like going to like the emotional support animal, um, our cat. I, I like, I can't. I don't do well. Like, I'm constantly fidgeting. I'm constantly moving. Like, I have to be, like, moving around, like, my seat. Like, like laying on my stomach or sitting up or, like, like with my legs. Like, I can't. I'm just not a normal human being. I get too nervous. So I don't think that's anything special. But, um, yeah. And, oh, and Watermelon High Noon is the drink of the series. Yes. There you go. Um yeah, I, I mean, I think a couple of things come to mind for me just emotionally. You know, normally when the Rangers win in that fashion, I'm just, it's just ecstasy and you're just kind of like screaming like a lunatic. I actually had a healthy dose of disbelief. And I, like I said to Becky, I was like, I can't believe they won. Like I really, and I don't normally feel that way about my teams, especially the Rangers who, you know, look, uh, it's been a long five years, but we've seen a lot of playoff success. Obviously, they've gotten close to a cup. Um, and, and they certainly seem to be back on the right track again. You know, we haven't been, you know, a long suffering fan base, even though there obviously aren't too many championships in the, uh, there aren't too many, you know, trophies in the trophy case as it were. But, um, I was, I was in disbelief. It, it just did not seem possible whether talking about down three, one or down the way they were. I mean, I said ball game to my, to my brother, Chris, in a text message when they went down two nothing in game six. Um, and he said, that's not ball game. Um, I, I can't right. believe so, you do these. I can't believe I married you and you do these. Things. Well, no, but like this but is again, like finding you know, out. Listen, no, this just, is like finding out the person you married like claps when the plane lands. Like, my God, Becky! <laughs> oh my God! Please, I can't. I'm with you. I bud. can't. I'm so with you. Oh my gosh! I'm like you. You're 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 happy that we they did exactly what they're supposed to do. Like, what are we talking? Yeah, yeah. Congratulations, you did your job today. <laughs> I do not clap when the plane lands. To be fair. So, no, and I, I think I was a little bit defeatist. I, and I think the reason is I, is that I was disappointed in the way the team was playing. Um, I expected them to be better. I, I didn't expect them to, um, although I picked Rangers in five, that obviously seems ridiculous in hindsight now. But um, I, I didn't think they would get run over the way they did for a majority of the first four games of the series. And um, it was disappointing. And, you know, but that made the comeback all, you know, that much sweeter. And so I think that makes it a real, oh, one more thing I wanted to mention. Sorry. And then we'll go to Carolina. Um, Sam Rosen's call was perfect. I, I mean, it is, it's like an instant classic. It's not quite Matteau, 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 of course, given the circumstances and the, you know, the iconic nature of that, but it's a pretty damn good hometown call in a, what is going to be remembered as a historic moment. I mean, yeah, that was incredible. And, like, Sam has his flaws and should probably retire. But, like, holy shit, that call was unbelievable. And the Penguins well, and call he... was really good, too. The Penguins <laughs> call was my favorite. It was – and Panarin scores to win the game. And then, like, 20 seconds of dead silence. And, like, what did he say? He was, like, uh, Panarin sends the Penguins home, or like he said something like really like gut wrenching. I can't remember. I'm gonna yeah, have to like if you're a Penguins out. fan, it, yeah, he, Panarin ends Pittsburgh season or something in devastating fashion or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> That's great. Thanks for hanging on for that. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've made my voice very clear about how I feel about Sam Rosen. And it's not because I don't love Sam. It's just, like you said, it's, oh. it's time to move on. Like, I felt that for a while. But he, if there's one argument, you know, for the other way around, it's, it's like when he nails that big call. And, and you know what? To his credit, as much as he screws up, I think, during the pace of play, like, he somehow seems to nail some big calls like that. And he really does. And, yeah. and, that, and that's yeah. awesome. And he did nail it. And, like, you know what the good thing, like, too, is, like, like, Panarin gets the puck and like you know he's shooting like it was weird like I I was like there's no fucking way he's passing this and I was like oh my gosh and like there was a bit of a build-up like you could see almost like you're seeing like a 70 foot yard pass in football like you're seeing it go through Mm -hmm. the air and you're like and so when he's you know when he shot it I actually reacted because I heard the set I knew it hit the back of the net you couldn't see it from the yeah, camera. Yeah, and Casey it was yeah. like sitting there with me, and she was like, she did. She reacted a second slower, um, and she was like, "Oh my god!" And like I could just, I heard it, and I went like, just berserk. And like, I'm glad I knew it was Panarin too. Like, my brother has a video of uh, he set up of without telling us at the step on overtime winning goal, and it was in my basement. <laughs> it's a great video, and like we're you know. But I, I, I didn't I didn't know I, I guess I was just so worked up I didn't know who scored at first so like I literally say in the video who scored step on but I was it was awesome like you said there was like a second of deep breath and um, you know I love seeing all the reaction videos I'm glad the Rangers did that I, I always think that's great that makes yeah. me just so happy yeah. I can watch those for like not Ranger games like I just love like reaction videos of people being happy you know it's great yeah no yeah. definitely well and, and and there was a couple of like. You know, so obviously the most famous one that I can think of is Larry Johnson hits the four-point play. It's at the old configuration. But those high angles of Madison Square Garden when, like, something like that happens, there were a couple of those of the Panarin goal that were just almost as good as the LJ one, where it was just, like, everybody exploding at once and just complete mayhem. And then, you know, in, in almost every recording of the aftermath that I saw, you know, you can't even hear the goal song over the crowd singing it. Yeah. and. I think we all know from going to games recently, that PA system, that is definitely new. It is loud as fuck in that building now in terms of the music and the PA system that they use. And the crowd was way louder than that. They were they were singing the goal song so loud that they drowned out the music. Um, yeah. Just an, an incredible atmosphere. And, you know, one that, um, you know, look, and there were quiet moments during that game. And Pittsburgh did the, did the classic thing. They played well. They took the crowd out of the game, right? Quote, unquote. But... When that place is going, when the Rangers score, when the Rangers are playing well, there really is nothing like it. And that was a classic moment, and it was right up there with any of the OT goals. Step on MSL again. Maybe you put Matto on on a slightly different pedestal because it, you know it sends him to the final, and, and it's just so iconic. But it's right up there with with those, and it is a historic moment. And and you know what? I think you know regardless of what happens with Carolina, and we'll move on to that. This season deserved a moment like that, and and I think it really does provide um you know uh something to remember this team by you know even if they don't go all the way even if this this next series does end in five six seven games carolina's way um that was its signature moment and it, and it, it was really kind of a great thing for the fans the organization everybody so all right let's let's spend a few minutes here on the hurricanes we'll also get to the fan questions which i think are kind of geared towards the next series anyway um I'll just go easy. Becky, how are you feeling about this? Where's your Where's your head and where's your heart uh, going into a series uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes? Not great Bob.gif, honestly, right now. <laughs> uh, 
I hate the hurricanes because a lot of reasons, but they're good. Like, I, I, I'm i not going to say, like, I'm pretty ambivalent toward the penguins in general. I'm just kind of like, when I don't have to, like, play them or, like, have, you know, the Rangers play them, I never play them. Um, I forget about them, and I'm just kind of like, whatever. It's like Crosby and Malkin, like, everyone else's. I don't give a shit. Um, yeah, it's a bunch of dudes. <laughs> It's a bunch of guys, and it's it's like like Kyle Greengrass or something, and you're like, who the fuck is this guy, and why does he have like 12 points in the playoffs? Like, I've never heard of this guy. Um, yeah, but they're the kings and, of that. Anyway, the Hurricanes have like a shtick and whatever, and that's great. Um, that said, though, they do play really well, and they play the Rangers really tough, so... They can't be sloppy, and I don't know that <laughs> they know that. So um, uh, I'm not feeling great. We're gonna we'll be publishing the uh, the Ranger picks today on the podcast. Today being Wednesday, the first day of the series. So you know, if you if this drops before that goes live, I'll tell you I'm picking the. the hurricanes as much as that makes me feel ill but i am so but then again like you know i i'm not that's not to say that i don't think the rangers could do it i just don't think it's likely they will do it so connell you famously said the last time you were on with us that you were not scared of anybody in the east even carolina so are you sticking with that position or are you revising it now i i think it's from a coaching standpoint i think Carolina's got to be the favorite. I think that's makes sense and that's fine. Um, I think the, the biggest threat for me, and this is why I loved having two days off was that the Rangers just came off such an emotional series win. Like you did not want to see them get blown out of the water in the first two games. My mindset's this, you got to get <laughs> split and I don't think they could afford to lose on home ice. I think if they lost a game on home ice, they're, they're probably screwed. So, um, you know, if, but the way they're trending right now, I think, uh, you know, Carolina makes me a little bit nervous. But, um, you know, I, I think there's plenty of ways the Rangers could win this series. And and if Igor is going to be this Igor and he just got a couple days of rest, um, you know, why not? I think, you know, my brain probably picks uh, Carolina, but uh, I think there's certainly an avenue. And I think that's kind of one of the questions. So I'll, I'll hold off on that for the Rangers to – to pull it off. I'm not probably not as confident as I was at the end of regular season. The, the Penguins humbled us a little bit, I think, but uh, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. And I think at this point we agree, like you just said, I think everything at this point is gravy. Not that I don't want them to go win the Stanley cup this year. Obviously we all always do, but to get the, through the first round series, I think everything up to this point is, is gravy. And, Hell, maybe you uh, maybe you find a way to shock the Hurricanes in, in one of the first two games and, and get them start to second-guess themselves. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Well, Becky, were you going to say something? No, I just agree. Oh, sorry. Um, the, the thing that, that, that stands out for me is I really believe they can play better than they did against Pittsburgh. I think there's another level there, and I think that there's just kind of like we were talking about, tighter execution – you know, better puck support, neutral zone structure, more consistent offense, too, from the top six. You know, obviously there were long stretches of that series where the top line did nothing, where the Panarin line did nothing. If those 
guys can have a good, consistent two weeks of hockey here. The Rangers are not an easy opponent for Carolina, who, you know, even though they, they like led the league in goals against and they gave up the fewest um, shots on goal per game, I believe they still gave up a decent amount of high-danger scoring chances. You know, they, they, they don't let up a lot of volume because they have so much of the puck, but they give up a lot of odd-man rushes because they're rushes because their defense are so active. I mean, that, you know, Gerard Gallant certainly does not talk tactics in the media almost ever. I don't think he talks them much behind closed doors either. I think he leaves that to Mike Kelly and the rest of the coaching staff. But he even said in his press conference the other day, like, look, their defense pinch all the time. If you can get the puck past them, you're going to have a two-on-one. So... We're going to see the Rangers, I think, play for a lot of two-on-ones and three-on-twos the other way. You know, those odd man rush chances. And look, they scored on the Penguins on on a bunch of those. Um, they also cycled the puck pretty well against the Penguins at times and, and got some decent offense off of off of the cycle and off of forecheck. So um, it's there, and I think the Rangers just need to be a little bit more consistent with it, and I think they can be. I mean, after the trade deadline, they were a good team. They were by all measures, by all metrics – by the shots on goal, by the win-loss record. They were a very good team after the trade deadline, adding Cop, you know, Vetrano and Mott. Um, so let's take our chances. I mean, I, I am picking the Hurricanes, but in seven, and if it goes seven, then that means anything can happen. So um, let's, uh, let's see how it plays out. We'll obviously have a few more shows, uh, whether it's Twitter spaces and, and more podcasts as well during the series. So as the games unfold, we'll, we'll break it down as it happens. But Becky, let's let's hit uh, hit up those fan questions. Okay, so we kind of threw this out there late. My bad. Um, so this will be pretty easy. Um, just two questions from our buddy Built to Spill, John Cougar, Colleen Camp, uh, really Dave. Um, so he asked first. Almost nobody thinks we have a realistic path forward through Carolina. What and how much needs to break our way to come out of this into the ECF? Um, and I think, Connell, this is probably what you were alluding to earlier um, that you had an answer to. So maybe you wanted to kick it off. If I'm, look, you're not ever trying to lose games and you're not planning to lose games. But my message is, is just you just need one in the first two. That's that's all I would be focused on. It's one game at a time. It's so cliche, but it's so true. Uh, and look, if Igor's Igor, you steal a game here and there. And look, and I think, Becky, you made a great point when we were talking about game seven. This is a Ranger team that has lethal offensive ability. And you just got to hang around long enough for Mika to have walk into one in the slot like he did in Game 7. And you just got to hang around long enough to get a power play where you know Fox is going to get a shot through and Kreider's going to bang in a rebound. I think that's kind of the recipe for the success here. Not necessarily like you're, you're not playing your game, but... If you're just, you know, a little smarter than you were overall against Pittsburgh, a little bit more fundamentally sound, not trying to get into a, a, a race up and down the ice with Carolina. Um, I think we, we know a couple guys on this team who, who could be undisciplined. So I think there's guys to take advantage of there. And, and that's really the avenue for me. It's Igor is going to have to steal at least one, maybe two. And, you know, your best players have to be your best players, which the Rangers' best players were, and, you know, in game sixes and sevens of the series. Uh, and then, you know, you, you hope up and down the lineup, you know, the depth, it, it, it's fairly even kind of on the, you know, there's a slight edge for Carolina forward. There's probably a slight edge maybe with their D, but look, man, everyone's prone to have a bad game. The Rangers had four and still won a series. So I think that's got to be the avenue. Mm-hmm. For me, it's split in Carolina, and you can't lose at home. That's That's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, and we know Rooney can get under people's skin, which is kind of a fun. That was fun. 
to see him get under Malkin's skin. Uh, yeah, I love, well, the Rangers have plenty of that. You know, I mean, I think, you know, Lindgren's obviously there. I mean, Keandre Miller's not backing down from anybody. Lafreniere's throwing his weight around and, and getting into scrums. No, the Rangers will be up for that. And I think, um, you know, look, Pittsburgh got a lot of calls in round one, which certainly helped them out to that 3-1 lead. And anybody who thinks otherwise is, is I don't know what, what they were watching. I don't think Carolina is going to get those types of calls in this series. Um, the, the Penguins are notorious for working the refs. And, you know, th- there is just a thing about that organization that pretty much every other fan base knows. Kind of like the old days with Montreal, the Canadians would always get big calls at home in the playoffs and in big games. That's now Pittsburgh in the NHL, just is the way it is. So um, Rangers don't have to deal with that in this series. I mean, I, I said it before, but just to, to reiterate, uh they just need to get back to a little bit of how they were kind of between, you know, say February 15th and the end of the season. I know they sort of flagged a little bit in April as they got closer to clinching, but for that solid two month stretch there, they were, they were a pretty good hockey team, um, especially defensively, you know, that, and that was so shocking about the Pittsburgh series was that they gave up so much. Um, If they can avoid giving up 120 scoring chances over the uh, six games, uh, I do like their chances. And, and yeah, look, if Igor is Igor, they can beat anybody on an, on any given night. So um, no reason not to be optimistic. That's for sure. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. And I do, like, I want them to be a pain in the ass. Like, I want them to be sassy and get under their skin. Also, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that this sounds ridiculous, but, like, if – the Hurricanes are have to not sell like only sell to people with like North Carolina and like what was the <laughs> North Carolina like Virginia addresses like it's yeah. just not a good fucking look, dude. Like it's just a bad look all around, and you have to wonder how they're gonna respond to MSG's crowd when they when the Rangers do come home and well, how much all, that'll make. A- hmm. I'm glad you brought that up because. Yeah, for those who don't know, basically you can't buy tickets to any of the games in Carolina, even though they're incredibly cheap, um, unless you have a North Carolina, South Carolina, or Southern Virginia, whatever counts as Southern Virginia, uh, billing address zip code. So they're trying to keep Ranger fans out of the building. The funny thing about this to me is, first of all, the secondary market doesn't care about that. So StubHub, SeatGeek, whatever site you use, that's not going to matter. Secondly, I don't know if they've looked around down there, but there are a ton an absolute shit ton of former New Yorkers who have moved to the Carolinas over the last 10 years. Trust me when I tell you, there is no shortage of Ranger fans in that region of the country that already have those zip codes on their billing addresses now. So whether they like it or not, that building is going to have a lot of blue in it. And that's just what it is. The Rangers are one of the biggest teams in the league. They're like the Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL, where no matter what uh, stadium you go to, there's going to be like 30% Steeler fans there. It just is what it is. They are like a national, they have a national fan base. That's the New York Rangers in the NHL. They can cry all they want about it. And, and Becky, I couldn't agree with you more. Any drama, any off the ice, like, you know, commentary, sniping in the media, that stuff benefits the Rangers. It benefited the Rangers in the first round when, when Sullivan and, and, you know, everybody got all up in arms about the Truba hit, which was clean. That was reviewed by the league, and it was determined to be clean. Um, 
that stuff benefits the Rangers. And because Carolina, Pittsburgh's pretty easily thrown off their game. I think they showed that. Carolina's in that same category. We know who the players are, but let's say them anyway. Tony D'Angelo. You could throw Brendan Smith in there. You could throw Andrei Svechnikov, one of their better players, in there. They've Max got a lot Domi. of hotheads. They got a lot of guys. Yeah. Max Domi. There's a lot of guys that can that can, you can get running around and get them out of their get them out of their game. Now, look, I know Brendan Moore is a great coach, and he's definitely more on the um, mentality and um, you know sort of motivation and kind of rah rah side of things. And you know, he's kind of a, a a modern communicator I know and look he takes a modern approach and, and I give him a lot of respect for that I think he is a good really good coach but it's still he was he was an emotional player he's got an emotional team I know he's kept the reins on D'Angelo but D'Angelo still got a five-minute major in that last uh in that last series against Boston that is going to be a factor in this series for sure so um, I'm certainly not suggesting the Rangers goon it up or anything like that but there's going to be opportunities to throw Caroline off their game Yep. All right. And then Built to Spill also asked, um, rank the former Rangers on Carolina from best to worst. (laughs) So I don't know. I'm so excited for this question. I don't know if we need a refresher on who's there. Are we all kind of like aware of who's there? Yeah, we know. But let's maybe just for anyone who's, who's listening just off the top of their head, maybe don't know. So, so we've you've got, got it's go Jesper Faust, you've got Derek Stepan, <laughs> the corpse of maybe, Brady Shea, Brendan Smith, uh, Tony D'Angelo, and Auntie Ronta. Auntie, Auntie, I can never pronounce it. Um, yeah, and that's it. I'm running through right now just to make sure I didn't forget anyone. So Yeah, it's those six. It's those six. Like, Best to worst, I'm assuming this is, like, most likable to least likable and not, like, based on talent, so... No, I took it. I kind of just did it, like, my favorites when they were on the Rangers kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Right. So I think Stepan has to be... Well, okay. I want to just preface this by saying that Brendan Smith was, like, always one of my favorites until he had that whole like manifesto about how great Tony D'Angelo is and how what a changed man and how he's such a great teammate and all that fucking bullshit. And now he's he went from being dad to being like, no, no, thank you. Like, I don't. He's dead. He's deadbeat dad now. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't recognize you anymore. So like, I don't know you. Um, so I don't know. I guess should we just do them separately or do we want to kind of like come to a, a con- like come together and do this all together all right i'll just go quick here i I just i saw that and i was like i can kind of do that pretty quickly i mean i think uh i had like trepidations with him but i think Stepan's the obvious number one i think he has to be he was of that group he was the best ranger scored uh you know a a couple big goals and he was uh, quietly he was going to go down as a very underrated ranger and they sold even though the trade didn't work out they traded him at the right time as we can now see like you said he's 31 and it seems like he's like 43 so um he's, he's, he's just going <laughs> off he's only clip. 31 yeah isn't wow. that crazy it's crazy i mean he broke in at whatever 19 and you know it's crazy i think Foss would be my number two another guy who 
you know, Brandon Mod esque. Uh, just you know, I'm such I'm such a coach now, but like that's just like my kind of hockey player. So he he just he plays <laughs> he plays the right way and all that stuff, and was a great great player for the Rangers and kind of move up and down the lineup. Um, kind of went back and forth in the next two, but I was a defenseman, so I love goalies. So I, I put Ranta next. He was a good backup for the year and uh, seems like a nice enough guy. And then the bottom three, I mean. I guess Shea slightly over Smith because he technically was a better Ranger, I guess, you know, when you think about it. But those are kind of interchangeable. I mean, and obviously D'Angelo's uh, – there's 50 piles <laughs> of crap, and then there's Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> are you honestly, in agreement there, Becky? Do you have the same word? I, I agree. I'm kind of like with – like Smith would have been higher than Ronta for me were – did he not have those obnoxious quotes recently? Um, but yeah, step for sure. And I agree. I, t- I completely agree. Like we traded him at exactly the right time, even if the trade didn't work out. Like it's just, that was just the, the perfect time to trade him. Um, but I will always love him as part of that core. And I always like kind of wish for the best for him. He's one of those, like when Richards left, I just like, I was like, I want Richards to win again, even though he had already won. Um, however, I don't want Step to win this year. I'm sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Fast, yeah. Uh, Ronta. And then, uh, like, Brady Shea was just a stupid hockey player. Just He drove stupid. me nuts. I was going to actually. So stupid. I was, I was going to. I feel like there's spaces between, like, Ronta and then, like, Shea slash, slash Smith. Say that five times fast. And then, like, a lot of spaces before you go to D'Angelo. Yeah, I wanted to. Sorry, Connell, I, I couldn't hear you. Um, but I wanted to sort of get your or validation, I suppose, on that. Because, again, kind of that coach thing. Whenever I watched Che, I was just like, this is a stupid hockey player. Was I way off base there or, or was I right? <laughs> you Rob, as 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 Becky has said, we're 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 destined for each other in another life because because uh, <laughs> Shay Shay like like total like oh he could skate he's got hands you're like wow this guy should be everything and then you'd watch him play and you're like what the fuck is he doing on the ice like it's <laughs> just I think that he's a classic example of he clearly was better than everybody his entire life so he never really learned how to play hockey he just happens to be a freak athlete. And I don't think, yeah, yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you know what I mean? He's one of those things. So, uh, had his moments. He was great as rookie year and literally just got worse. So, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God. Yeah, I was not a fan. I'm not a great shape fan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, well Del Zotto, Del, Del Zotto-esque with that, too. Um, Del Zaster? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm here all week. I'm but, here. Uh, but no, yeah, I mean, look, I agree with that, that ranking. Um, you know, it's just so weird to me because we've been reading, like, I've been reading for years, actually, now, if you think about it, like, how the Rangers never built teams that were good enough and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they never, like, built the right team around Hank. And sure, they never won a cup. But, like, you look at the Lightning, there's a ton of former Rangers. Now you look at the Hurricanes, one of the top contenders in the league. There's a ton of former Rangers. I'm like, they must have been doing something right. All their former players end up becoming like key players on championship teams or teams that are close to becoming champions. So, um, you know, it's just one of those kind of ironic things uh, where I'm like, maybe the Rangers are getting a little too much hate, not only from uh, the outside media, but also their own fan base at times. 
Um, no, listen, I, it's look, it's going to be a tough series from that perspective. Um, I don't like Carolina I, for all those reasons that we've talked about, whether it's D'Angelo, the former players, the bunch of jerks thing, the obnoxious social media presence. Um, but the, the reality is that, that that not only this year, but even going back three, four seasons to really this version of the Canes, um, the Rangers have not played them well. And sure, a lot of that was during the, the, the true depths of the rebuild for the Rangers, but they pretty much, up until that last meeting this year at MSG where they played them pretty even, you pretty much knew going into every game against Carolina they were going to get outshot like 45 to 17. Like, you just knew that was going to happen. So they have to try and not let that happen. I mean, look, you can win games like that, as you said, Connell. Like, maybe the Rangers, you know, you lean on Igor. He can steal you a game where you get outshot by 20, 25 shots. But um, you got to hope that that's not four, five, six games of that because it will be a short series if that's the case. All right, um, any final thoughts before we get out of here and get ready for game one? Yeah, I mean, just, like, let's fucking go, guys. This is amazing. This has been such a fun ride. I hope it doesn't end this round. I hope this round doesn't completely blow. But this is a baby team. Like, this is Igor's first playoff. I mean, I, I first, this is the real playoffs now, right? And I just, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm excited for them. The kid line came together so well against the Penguins. Like, it's just exciting right now for the team. It's not like the Hank years where you'd be like, oh, my God, how old, you know, we're wasting his, his talent and, like, he's only getting older and we only have so many more years. Like, this is a different feeling. And so even if we do end mm-hmm. it here, like, this is fun. And we should be having fun and we should remember that this is fun. So I don't know. Just, like, let's fucking go believe if you could do it if you could beat the penguins why can't you beat the hurricanes why can't you beat tampa slash florida why can't you beat the avalanche like every stat might tell you a different story and that's fine and and maybe that proves to be true and that's fine and whatever but we're having fucking fun guys this is playoff hockey they're one of eight remaining which is a pretty great that's pretty great way to look at it um connell anything from you uh, I'm I'm anxious. I'm nervous, but I'm I'm excited. And and you know this is uh, they've had so much fun this year. And I I just yeah I kind of just don't want it to end. <laughs> yeah, I think we all we all agree with that. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, as I said earlier, you know we'll be doing the show weekly. We also probably will do some Twitter Spaces here and there. So be on the lookout for those. Thanks as always for listening to Live from the Blue Seats, and we'll see you next week.